Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Edit Your Life. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Hi, Asha. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. It is spring. This makes me very happy. (laughs) Although I I feel like you've had flowers in Portland already for ages. I know, but it's been pretty much, let's see, it's been raining since I think October. Oh, <laughs> that's a <laughs> long time. I think we've had some number of single digit days of sun, so I'm pretty much ready for, I'm ready for, I'm ready for something new, which is sort of funny. It's uh, that it, it gets me thinking about, you know, how can we change things? What, what needs changing around here? I mean, it's sort of a very cyclical thing for me, seasonal thing with spring. I, I start thinking about changing things. Mm-hmm. And this spring, it's sort of interesting, um, you know, it's, it's coming toward, you know, the middle of the second semester of school and mm-hmm. spring break is coming up. And um, my son is, it, it just hit me. My son is going to be 18 this year. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's, um, it's really quite amazing. And this, you know, very sort of this routine that we've got into of, you know, of school, I realized for him really is coming to an end. We're going to be heading out shortly on a road trip to explore colleges. I mean, he is really getting to the end of his time in school. And um, it's really gotten me thinking, you know, mm-hmm. he's um, I've been thinking a lot about sort of the arc of his childhood and the various parenting decisions we've made along the way. And it's so interesting because some of the things we thought were sort of a huge deal when he was younger really turned out not to be. And then there are other things that I sort of didn't notice one way or the other, and they sort of crept into being bigger issues as he got older. So, yeah, it's it's sort of mind blowing to think about it. It really is. When I think 18, I'm just I I can't even although when I see pictures of Sam, I'm just like, he's a man like it's crazy. (laughs) He like towers (laughs) over you. Yes. No, he really, but, but, you know, to be fair, everyone towers over me. (laughs) Yes, so it's true. Yeah. um, And I, you know, I was so glad you brought up this topic because I've been following a similar thought process these days. You know, Violet just turned six very recently. And I, you know, I, I just get so sort of emotional around her and Laurel and, 
you know, she was like my sort of miracle baby, like truly, because I thought my ovaries were dead. I gave all my stuff away and then, you know, had her got pregnant rather unexpectedly. So, you know, my girls are six and a half years apart, which is quite a big gap for, you know, typically. And it's interesting. It's really given me the space to explore some of the same, you know, thoughts that you've been having, um, in parallel as, as Laurel has developed into different stages and as, you know, Vi has evolved over the years. So I just, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. Well, you know, I just thought it would be sort of an interesting exercise and also helpful for our listeners because, uh, to, to sort of think about this, um, this arc of their, of their childhoods and some of the parenting decisions we've made because, you know, sometimes, um, well, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about parenting is that so often we, you know, we sort of do it in our own heads. And it's not like we, we, we look and see what's happening around us, but it's not like we really know what's going on in other people's families, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the other thing is that, um, you sometimes can't know when you make a parent, parenting decision what the result is going to be and how it, how it's going to end up playing out, especially um, because it changes so much as kids, you know, as kids grow up. And so I think it's really important to note that I'm not saying, you know, let's go through our good and bad parenting, parenting decisions, because I think the fact is that, I, I mean, I know I'm going to be sharing a few decisions that I wish I would have made differently. But the fact is that I know my husband and I made the best decisions we could at the time. You know, mm-hmm. you sort of have taken the situation and the context and the information, you make your decision. And, you know, Parenting really is trial and error. And I think we have a lot less control over the results and the factors of our lives than sometimes we think we do. Mm-hmm. Letting go of control. <laughs> yes, I know. It's like a constant struggle. It is. The struggle is real. <laughs> <laughs> it's a struggle. And I think also uh, sometimes we think, um, I mean, there's sort of a lot of illusion with it. We think that we control certain things that we really don't, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, Anyway, I just thought it would be fun to to devote to devote an episode to parenting do overs, um, just because I think it's uh, I think it's really great to sort of open up about the inner workings of family life. Um, you know, again, just so that people can sort of hear what's really going on. And I, I I know for me that all those years ago, that's why I really fell in love with parenting blogs. You know, back in the early two thousands. Because there was finally a way to talk about what was really going on in family life. It mm-hmm. just didn't feel like there was a way to talk about that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just so anyway, I'm hoping that's what this episode will offer. You know, our experiences, kids of different ages and, you know, all of which can be taken with a total grain of salt because, mm-hmm. you know, what what works for me may not work for you. And um, I just think it's great to talk about it. Yeah. And I think there. I do think there are some um, really great overarching ideas we're going to share today. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get started, I just wanted to take a second to issue um, deep and heartfelt thanks for all of the brave and thoughtful emails we received related to our episode on handling friendship changes. Um, I mean, Asha, you, you and I both been sort of reading and absorbing, and actually there's probably more to read and absorb that I haven't even gotten to yet, but This episode clearly touched a nerve for so many people. And I just wanted to say, um, you know, we're going through your your letters. We're so grateful. And we'll be probing some specific listener questions and requests in future episodes. So, again, thank you so much. It, It means the world to hear from you and, you know, to sort of 
have people open up to us um, privately like that. We really appreciate it. And just please continue to send your letters to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. We really love hearing from people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Asha, do you want to kick things off? Yes. Okay. Um, parenting do-overs. All right. So my first parenting do-over is that I would keep tighter limits around the screen time. I'm just going to go straight there. Screen time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, screen time has just really, uh, boy, it has just made, made for, for complications in my family life in so many different ways, um, over the years. And those complications have changed as my kids have grown. And so, you know, I'll just sort of come straight out and say, this is like my number one regret. Um, We used to keep tight, you know, really tight controls around screen time when when my kids were younger. And that seemed so much easier when they were younger, because that really was something that we controlled. You know, it was the TV and uh, yeah, I guess it was the TV because my kids were there were no iPads when my kids were little Mm -hmm. or, you know, smartphones or whatever. But as they got older um, and you know, things got a little more complicated because their computers were were not only places where they would entertain themselves, it's also where they would do homework, um, they would do research. You know, they got our old phones. So, you know, they sometimes got old smartphones. And so they would take those to school, which they needed to have so they could keep in touch with us about carpooling and all of that. But then they're texting their friends. It's just it's very complicated because the lines got blurred between mm-hmm what they needed to be doing and how they were just entertaining themselves and zoning out and then how they were socializing with friends. So, you know, 
some of these things are good. Some of these things aren't good. And they all got jumbled together. And the result was um, my husband and I sort of took our eye off the wheel, I guess you could say, and just assumed that our kids would regulate themselves with that. That has not been the case. Um, mm-hmm. They really, really default to electronics use whenever there's sort of a, a down moment. And I think, to be fair, we can, you know, those of us adults who use smartphones and stuff, we could probably identify this, with this. You know how it is. You're standing in line. You sort of start looking at your phone or whatever. And anyway, it can really be hard to drag my kids away unless there's a specific plan. And I have really felt upset about this at times. I sometimes feel like I walk around the house, you know, on a weeknight and people are done with homework and everyone's sort of staring at a screen in some part of the house. And it's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think um, I, I haven't exactly figured out what to do about this. I mean, we have actually re- reintroduced limits, which is um, complicated when you have teenagers. Um, yeah. We've had to really, um, you know, talk about, you know, homework happening on a laptop upstairs, whereas, you know, entertaining screen time can happen on the computer downstairs, things like that. Um, we have times when the phones are put away, um, but but it's just gotten complicated. And I think it would have been a lot simpler had we, if not kept limits around the screen time, then sort of on the flip side, said, you know, created no screen zones in our week. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than, you know, trying to get all micromanagey about like, what are you doing on your phone? Are you looking at YouTube or are you, you know, talking to a friend? You know, you can't really do that. Or maybe you can. I don't know. I, I don't want to do that. Um, I just I just feel that the longer you can keep screens um, sort of in a in a corral, the better. Um, because it's less about what they're actually doing on the screen and more about the habit of doing other things and finding other things entertaining and interesting. Um, you know, it's just, it's a sad thing when you have to try to drag your kid outside to go do something fun, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it is complicated. It, it has become so jumbled, you know, Laurel, um, I feel like especially she's in seventh grade now when, when, when she got to middle school, basically all homework moved from, you know, paper to, to digital and everything is on Google docs now. And, um, you know, but so I just think things have evolved really, really quickly. And this is a good, good thing to keep an eye on. And I just wanted to toss out one recommendation that might be helpful for our listeners. If your if your kid doesn't have a phone yet, um, and is going to get one soon. And this was kind of an, I mean, semi-accidental sort of bonus discovery, but we started Laurel when it was time for her to get a phone. We waited until she was at a point where she would actually be out of adult (laughs) supervision, you know, for any period of time, which meant like, um, you know, she's walking to the bus on her own, that sort of thing. So we wanted her to be able to have that, but just really didn't feel like she needed it before that. And we ended up getting her a track phone with limited Mm -hmm. minutes. And it was such a great exercise in teaching her to realize that there, you know, was a limited amount and she needed to monitor it. And we actually, I think I discussed it on one of our screen time episodes, but she actually had this, uh, she was in a band and she had this episode where um, there were a couple boys in her band who would just, they'd start a text thread about the band, but then they would just go off and text about nonsense, like hundreds of messages. Right. And overnight, one night she opens her phone and all of her texting minutes are gone or texting. And it was, she was freaking out, but it was like such a useful, you know, way just generally to help her self-regulate and and know about that. And now she has, you know, a regular phone on our plan. But I think it 
it just helped her enormously and helped to set the stage about limits and and things like that. Because otherwise, it just seems like this unlimited commodity, right? Yeah, no, that's really true. And I think, you know, the other thing, the other thing to note is, um, first of all, well, we could, we could sort of go down this, this road a little bit. And we don't, you know, we don't need to do that too much. But I will say also um, that with an iPhone, we had an old iPhone sitting around and, um, you know, you could take the browser off the iPhone. There are a whole bunch of things you can take off so they can still text and and do stuff that they need to. But they don't particularly need to be looking at the web or whatever Mm -hmm. else. I mean, so there's some there's some movement there. But I think that um, what you're saying about limited minutes and or limited data or whatever else is so smart um, because you're right. I think when when there are no limits, it just starts to feel like. you know, just this thing that's with you all the time. And it, it, it does it does get complicated. So anyway, I would say keep those limits around the screen time as long as you can and just keep talking about it mm-hmm. as, you know, as kids get older, because, um, you know, it just can become quite a presence in your family. Yes. All right. Speaking of presences in families, <laughs> let's I'm going to move on to my uh, first tip of this episode, which is to not push your kid into extracurriculars based on your own personal baggage. And this is a very (laughs) uh, big lesson I learned with Laurel. And so, as you know, Asha, I have this thing about water and swimming um, because I actually was swimming with a friend, with a group of friends where one of our friends, and we were trespassing, this was high school, and we were swimming at night. And um, one of our friends had a sort of freak seizure and he sunk and he drowned so ever since that time i've had this thing about water safety like oh my gosh people need to learn to swim everybody needs to learn to swim and i mean in his case swimming he knew how to swim but and there was it was a different issue but so when laurel was a toddler i just i totally pushed my baggage on her she didn't want to do swim lessons and i just forced her to do them and i said you will you will enjoy this this will be good for you (laughs) and it was um total disaster you know sobbing like nobody learns anything when they are standing there like in the water sobbing and miserable and so you know that was a very humbling experience for me and i realized okay i just i can't push this stuff that is totally my stuff um until she's ready and it's funny she didn't really take any swimming lessons and instead needed to just practice it on her own in a friend's pool and one summer she just started swimming and then once she could do it herself then she took a few swim classes to like improve her strokes and stuff. And now she's a really great swimmer, <laughs> but right. um, it's been really good to that. That experience has resulted in me having a totally different attitude related to Violet and extracurriculars and letting her just pick things based on what she wants to do and not, I have, she's six and I actually have not pushed swimming on her, on her at all. She's just, you know, paddled around in my friend's pool and paddled around when we go to hotels that have pools and I'm not pushing. I know, I know she will learn. So uh, that's a big one. That's a, that's a really big one. I mean, especially with that experience in your, you know, history, of course, that's a really natural thing to do. And um, I'll just say I had exactly this, not, not exactly a very similar experience with my daughter in that she, she was not sobbing in the pool, but she definitely was like, I'm not into this. And when she was six years old, she said to me, you know, I'm not learning and I want to, I want to teach myself to swim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what she did. Just like what Laurel, what mm-hmm. you, what you described for Laurel. And I would say there's a corollary to this, which is such good, such good advice. The corollary to this is sometimes your kids are going to get really passionate about an extracurricular or an activity that you have no interest in at all. Like mm-hmm. absolutely none. 
<laughs> so, for example, if one of our kids came to us and said, we are like completely, totally into baseball or basketball, my husband and I would have been sort of flummoxed because neither of us are particularly sports oriented. But, you know, I think that's the other thing is that um, we can have baggage both ways. We can want them to do things and we can it, it's not that we didn't want them to do things, but we certainly weren't pushing them towards sports. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these these are individual people that we have created, <laughs> you know, with their own individual interests. And, you know, assuming these activities work for the family schedule and the budget and all that stuff. It's it's so true that, um, you know, let it let's see what happens. You know, see what happens for your kid. That's great advice. Yeah. All right. Well, my next tip would be to the next do over I would do would be to have more people over for family dinners. And I'm not talking about dinner parties necessarily. I'm talking about the thing where you say, hey, come over, you know, eat what we're eating. Come sit with us. Basically just, you know, sticking a few more friendly people at your table and, and eating dinner together. And, uh, you know, when my kids were young, the idea of having anyone over for dinner just felt like a total burden. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really, really did. Because, um, you know, when my kids were young, especially for my son, you know, those sorts of social experiences are really hard. Um, it was hard for him, especially having, you know, people touching his stuff and, and um, you know, sort of dealing with this, the social requirement of people um, in our house. And so, part, you know, so we just really got out of the habit because it was it was really difficult. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of manners. I'm talking about it was distressing for him, you mm -hmm. know. So um, we just really got out of the habit of inviting people over and. The fact is, I love it when there are people in our house. I really love that conversation around the table. Um, you know, having other families over for food is just one of my favorite things to do. And as my kids got older, you know, that whole um, social experience, you know, became completely possible and easy to do. But we were just out of the habit. And so we would sort of forget that we could do that. And mm -hmm. um, I really wish that we did that more. And I really am trying to do that more now. Um, you know, having people over, it's not only is it a great exercise in social skills and manners for your kids, it just exposes them to fresh thought, you know, conversation. It's just such a great thing, especially as, you know, kids, you know, are in high school, even as they start to look for jobs and head out into the world, having those conversation skills and that ability to just banter with people that they don't necessarily know well is just huge, a huge, huge skill to have. So I would say have people over for more family dinners. I, I love that idea. And I, I can't agree more. We are big fans of that. And as, as you know, um, I, I like making, you know, pretty dinner spreads and stuff, but, but I also have really embraced the like, Hey, but we're ordering a couple pizzas. You want to just come over very last minute kind of arrangements. Mm -hmm. And that's also yep. wonderful. Um, and actually, last weekend, we we had two of those sort of things um, where people had a, friends had invited us over. And in one case, it was Friday, you know, so everybody's exhausted after a busy week. And they were like, do you like Thai food? We're going to just order a pile. And it was awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so fun. yeah, those experiences where, you know, they don't have to worry about cleanup and it's it's easy and casual and fun. So, yeah, I think that's great. And I did. I also wanted to add, I sort of was smiling over here when you mentioned the you know, people touching Sam's stuff um, because <laughs> we've had that same experience here. And it's funny before we have people over um, usually um, we'll say to Vi, okay, you know, like 
kids are going to want to play with your toys. But if there's anything special that you really don't want people to, to touch or play with, like, why don't you put it away? Because we've had some of those similar meltdowns in the past. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a common thing. Well, it is. It is a common thing. And it can totally be worked through. And I think it's it's important to, like, take away the shame around that. Mm-hmm. Some kids just aren't. I mean, that was never my daughter's thing. And so if someone, you know, had she been my first child and someone were to come over for dinner and she was so mellow about people playing with her stuff or whatever. I mean, that was just how she was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't some special parenting ninja move that I had done. Um, although I probably would have gotten credit for that, her lovely manners, you know, and mm-hmm. I know for my son at first, because he was my first, I was um, really, I was distressed myself. Like he's not sharing. What mm-hmm. is the problem? Mm-hmm. But it was, it wasn't that it was just, it was a, it was an upsetting thing for him that he absolutely was able to work through, yeah. had nothing to do with not wanting to share. Yeah. So. The last thing I would say about this is, remember, I just remembered we did a whole episode on relaxed entertaining. Remember that episode? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole episode to vote. If this is sort of ringing your bell and you're like, yeah, we should have more people over for family dinners, then um, I will be sure to link up in our show notes the episode that we did on relaxed entertaining. I have to I have to go back and listen to that. I'm sure it was great. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I want to re-listen to it. Yeah. Okay, I have well, to think that. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So you just were um, mentioning, had your daughter been the first, which is very related to my next point, which is if you have more than one kid, let go of any preconceived notions about what your other children will be like. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I know I I hear this from so many parents, but seriously, parenting Vi initially was so confusing and difficult for me. You know, she was so different from Laurel. Um, 
you know, especially as a toddler, like I think she basically hated being two and three. And I think life would have been a lot easier for me if I had embraced her fire and her differences from Laurel earlier instead of wasting my time wondering, why isn't she more like Laurel was? You know, I mean, it was really sort of a pointless ex- exercise there. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty straightforward. And yet sometimes it is so difficult. And mm. I, I I, mean, I just can't echo this piece of advice enough. Um, my kids as well are just two completely different human beings, just completely different in terms of their temperaments, temperaments, their interests, their priorities, everything, their communication styles. And, you know, our, our, as parents, my husband's and my communication styles and discipline methods and motivation tactics, everything really had to change. And, um, you know, now that's something we can actually talk about with the two of them, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when one of them is saying, Hey, that's not fair because I had to blah, 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 you blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, you're two different people. We need to talk to you about stuff. You know, you care about different things. So yes, yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Let go of preconceived notions. Yes. All right. So my next parenting do over would be I would spend more time in nature with my family. Mm -hmm. Um, So I live in the Pacific Northwest, which is very, very beautiful nature areas surrounding here. Um, I'm also the sort of the lone hiker in my family. (laughs) I'm the one who's constantly like, let's go outside. Let's go outside. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a hike. And um, actually, my daughter enjoys doing those things, too, but she doesn't enjoy getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, you know, I like to get up early and get out, get out there. And getting my family to do this with me has been enough of a chore over the years that actually the um, pain of trying to get everyone moving and motivated and getting the picnics packed and everything was it was enough of a chore that I just gave up because I found myself by the time we actually made it out there being so frustrated Mm -hmm. that I didn't enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know what? I'm done. And that was a mistake, actually. That was really a mistake. Um, First of all, not only because I personally deserve to have my family come with me on something I enjoy, even if it's not their number one priority, um, but also because kids really need time in nature, I think, to develop that real love and stewardship that, you know, that will turn them into adults who want to protect the environment. I Mm -hmm. actually really strongly about that. Um, I spent a lot of time camping as kids, a lot of time in national parks. I just really value that time. Um, And it's so much fun. Um, And to circle back to my first tip, it's really a great sort of counterpoint to, you know, city life and screens and all that stuff. So I think it's really important. And, you know, I, it's funny. In in later years, I talked to my husband about it and just said, you know, this actually is really, I, I didn't really advocate for myself with my husband when early on. And later on, I said, you know, this has been really important to me. And the fact that you didn't feel like doing that, I get that. You know, I, I, I'm not saying you have to become a nature lover. I still want you to do this with me because it's important to me. And when we talked about that, it took a few conversations, but he was like, you know, you're right. And there were a few things we did to make it sort of more enjoyable for him as well. Um, but now he's totally on board. So I think that's really important to spend time in nature with kids. I agree. And I have to say, I love the, you know, idea that 
um, and the reality that you should um, advocate for something, you know, for your family to join you on something that you really care about. I mean, mm-hmm. we as parents are constantly doing that for our kids. I mean, even tonight, I'm going to something at Vice School that I don't really want to go to, but she's really, really excited about. And yeah. I really want to support the kids. We are doing that all the time. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. Um, this is just making me think that uh, our kids, uh, hands down, will always kind of like prefer to kind of lounge around the house and do stuff around here. But John is the the hiker in our family and the nature guy, like really, you know, actively wanting to get out. And he'll just say, OK, kids, we're going. And it'll take some, you know, some prodding and some grumbling. And they always have a fantastic time when they get out there. But they just, right. you know, they just kind of need the nudge. So, yeah, I well, and I. I'm I'm really glad you are advocating, you know, for getting out well, like that. Y- yes, and you just said something so tiny that is actually part of the key, and that is John saying, "Okay, kids, we're going." Not, "Hey, yes. you guys, would you like to go on a hike?" Yes. Ooh, that's a trap. <laughs> that's a trap. And I'm, you know, and I just, um, I I discovered that a little too late. Not too late, as in it's, you know, we can't go back. But I'm just saying, I should have that. That should have been my approach. And so anyway, that is my thing. I'm in fact, as soon as it stops pouring around here, sorry, I'm an Oregonian, but I don't really want to go hiking in rain gear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are getting out there. That is actually one of my commitments this summer. We are definitely doing that. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, this next point is really, really important. It's important for me. It's important for lots of people. <laughs> and um, it would be to it has been to to keep work in perspective. And I think one of the greatest, greatest gifts uh, that came with Laurel's arrival in the world was that, you know, she helped me see as well as some other factors, but helped me see that I ne- needed to not be in the crappy job that I really hated. You know, I was a postdoc. I was in academia. I was good at the work, but I really didn't like it. Um, and her arrival really helped me, um, see that and know that I needed, if I was working, I needed to be doing something I really cared about. But then, you know, once I got into the internet world, um, work just kind of swallowed me up for a number of years and I loved it all and have loved it all or most of it, but I had a really hard time keeping it in perspective. And so, you know, one of the greatest gifts of this next chapter, and really it's been the last few years, I would say, um, I was pretty imbalanced through the first year or two of Vi's life, um, as you know, and as sort of longtime listeners will probably know. But um, the greatest gift in this next chapter has been really learning to keep work in perspective as the thing I do, you know, in relation to John and the girls. And so, you know, I mean, you know, I do I have a lot of balls in the air, but at the end of the day, at like five or five thirty, I'm done. I usually don't work on the weekends like it's it's so good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's been, you know, really two different junctures between Laurel and Vi. And I'm I'm just so grateful to be in a more healthy place with work right now. You have worked so hard on that. It, it has and not been I, easy. No, been easy. it hasn't been easy. And I've seen it happen. And, um, you know, with such mindfulness, um, you know, and and you've really, really worked to do that. And I think that's incredible. And as we all know, um, you know, we never exactly arrive at the perfect balance. It's always, we're sort of, you know, we're always on that journey, but I, you know, it just to see you do that. And, and also to just take such joy in the time that you spend with your family and, you know, making sure that you do that, um, has been an, it's been a, 
learning experience for me just watching you do that. Mm. Really well, amazing. You've, helped, you've been pivotal helping me in some, you know, <laughs> at, at very critical junctures along the way. So, right. you know, I've appreciated all of your all of your involvement in our little family too. Yeah. Well, so have I. And I think it's interesting. I, both you and I have a, a have a measure of flexibility in our work lives, which is really great. It, it does give us a chance to make choices about, you know, how much we work and when we work and all of that. I think we're both so fortunate to have that. Um, and I find as, you know, Sam's departure really is on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Like it is visible now. It is no longer sort of off in the distance. Um, I find that I am extremely choosy about when I'm willing to leave home, mm-hmm. when I'm willing to travel, I, you know, I really am not prepared to give up any more time with him right mm-hmm. now. And interestingly, you know, we often think that as our kids get older, there's more time to work and, and there is more time to work. I mean, we do have more time, but um, I don't know. I'm finding that it's actually more important for me right now, not to be there for him necessarily in a supportive role but to just be present for him just so that we can interact and be together, you know? And um, anyway, it's, it's, it's hard to keep working perspective. Sometimes everything about uh, our culture sometimes really pushes us in, in the opposite direction to keep working more and achieving more and getting more, you know, accolades and status from work. And, and um, it's really important to, to be able to step back as you have. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a good journey. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, my next um, parenting do-over has to do with um, uh, older family members. I think it's really, really important to create opportunities for kids to interact with older family members, grandparents, older aunts and uncles, um, you know, and if they're not nearby, maybe even older neighbors. Um, but I'm, I'm specifically talking about family members. This is something that I feel really happy about when I think about my kids' childhoods. And that is that um, both of my kids are really closer to their grandparents than I was with mine. I mean, mm-hmm. I loved my grandparents and I was close with them. I loved them dearly. But, you know, they were just sort of nice people that I gave hugs to when I saw them at holidays. And you know, I love them and, you know, they would send me birthday cards and everything, but it's not like we have really ever talked about life, my life or their life. Believe me, I wish I now had talked more to them about their lives. Um, my kids are so lucky because they have two sets of grandparents, um, who they're really close to and they talk to them about stuff. Um, my, um, my husband's parents, you know, that was actually really a part of their growing up. My husband's parents, um, their grandparents were a big part of their lives. And so they, you know, as they, um, their own parenting lives involved really thinking about what kind of grandparents they wanted to be. And so they spend a lot of time talking to my, talking to my kids and my parents as well. It's just really wonderful. And I feel like, um, you know, because of that, my kids have a link to their own history, which they may not even be aware of. Uh, but it will really mean something to them as they get older. Um, and I'm very grateful, very, very grateful for that. I think it's so important and really easy to lose. And, you know, sort of today's rush, rush environment when people live far away from each other. I mean, it it can be hard when people live far away, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I think it's really important. I agree. My eyes are maybe a little bit leaky right now because, Mm -hmm. um, and I just think this is such a wonderful thoughtful point to bring up Asha. Um, you know, I grew up in multi-generational households with both my, um, both sets of grandparents or my grandmother on my father's side and then my grandparents on my mom's side. 
um, both actually living in the house with us at for some period of time when they came over from Korea. Um, but none of them spoke English. So we only communicated kind of in, you know, uh, visual gestures and mm-hmm. movements and things. But I remember feeling so much affection for them, especially, um, mm-hmm. yeah, especially my mom's mom, who was sort of the one who outlived everybody. And, and she was just, oh my gosh, she was just so cute. Um, so I have had similar gratitude for the fact that Laurel and Vi have such wonderful, loving relationships with John's parents and then my mom, who is still alive. And, and it means, it means so much. So I think that's just such a great point. And I, and I do think it's often, you know, we often lose sight of that or just think of the grandparents as a quick place to, you know, <laughs> get the kids to when, you know, if you need help during vacation periods and stuff. But it it really is a gift if you have older family members around, you know, to give them the time to interact with your kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, and we haven't even talked about what it, you know, what it means to grandparents and older family members. I mean, I'm just talking about it from the kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole, that's a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. So anyway, really important, really wonderful, a real gift. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good one. Okay. So my last uh, point of the episode is to listen to your kid's distress if it is, well, <laughs> a bit prolonged. So mm. I'm not saying you need to hover, but my point is that sometimes I have found that when things seem a little difficult or inconvenient, you're just kind of like marching forward in each day, hoping it gets better. And sometimes there's actually a problem. So just two quick anecdotes. One was when Vi was a a toddler, as I mentioned, she was a little bit crabby. (laughs) And um, there was one stretch where she was really crabby. And we were just like, geez, like, what is going on with this kid? Why is she so crabby? (laughs) And... um, I mean, she was really, really cranky. And so finally, I was like, I don't know, maybe something's wrong with her. Maybe we should take her to the doctor. And I was kind of dragging my heels about it because I was like another thing to do. And then we, I took her in and or John took her in. I can't remember who took her in. But it turned out she had a raging double ear infection. And I Ooh. felt horrible. <laughs> I felt so bad. And then once she got the medicine, she was fine. You know, um, uh. so that was like, you know, uh, I just. I got to let that go and forgive and all that, but I felt really bad about it in the moment. And then, um, you know, the second anecdote, which was a much more prolonged thing was, um, you know, in the French friendship episode we recorded, I talked about a sort of an adult friendship that has recently exploded, um, because of an issue with kids. And, um, you know, so Laurel had this situation with a friend, um, that was sort of turning into frenemies and we just kept, I feel like, you know, did not act quickly enough, you know, in support of her, perhaps because it was quite socially awkward with the parents and we sort of hoped it would blow over and we were totally wrong. And, um, when we finally did sort of stand up with her in that, um, it was really hard. And as I said, the friendship kind of detonated, but it was the right decision. And, you know, I wish I had, listen to her distress which was quite vocal (laughs) but i wish i had you know put her in front of my own sort of like resistance against you know making that friendship harder or or whatever so that's you know i guess that's all i'll say about that but sometimes that distress there it's real (laughs) yeah sometimes it's just complaints and sometimes it's really real well that's very true that's so so true and you know the first thing i would say about well first of all i'm practically jumping up and down saying, yes, that, yes, that, because, um, you know, we have experienced this ourselves, but I will say first, 
that um, to, to you, Christine, and I've already said this to you, but I'll, I'm going to say it so that everyone can hear it. And that is that, you know, I hope you're not too hard on yourself because as bad as we feel when we can see in hindsight that, well, at, you know, we could have taken action earlier. You often really can't tell the difference between a phase and a problem. Mm-hmm. Sometimes waiting something out is the right thing to do. And it's very hard, if not impossible, to tell if you're enabling a problem or, um, you know, by, uh, you know, basically enabling versus advocating. Like sometimes it's hard to know whether or not you should wait it out or take action. It's mm-hmm. so tricky and it's just not always obvious. So I hope that's just I want to just inject a little note of of um, a little space for, you know, being kind to yourself about yes, that. I thank mean, it's, you. But it's so painful to look back and know that, oh, boy, we could have done something earlier. I mean, we have a very similar, similar situation in that, um, you know, for for Sam, his his early elementary years and, you know, going into the mid elementary years were very, very difficult for him and really prolonged distress, as you said. And um, in our case, um, you know, letting it blow over just didn't work. And there were years that he spent that were really miserable for him. In the end, we took action, but we could have done it earlier. And, you know, I'm so happy to say all of that difficulty is in the past. But um, but I, I remember often when I talk about those years, I really learned that lesson about listening when there is distress that isn't just going away. Mm-hmm. And that was the lesson that I learned from that, too. So anyway, that's just oh, man. that's just yeah, that's like that's like advice gold right there. So. Anyway, um, boy, isn't it fascinating to just look back on these decisions and see how they've played out? It's it really, really is. Yeah, it's very well, interesting. I would like to I'm going to just move on to 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 our next edits, because we actually have a few like a couple of tips that listeners can just take right with them today. And um, so my next edit to wrap this up is to make a plan and get outside in nature this week. <laughs> I'm assuming mm-hmm. That in your part of the world, uh, maybe the weather's a little bit better, but even if it isn't, you know, put on the galoshes and stomp in some puddles or something. Everything feels better when you reconnect to the seasons and to the environment. And while you're at it, leave the phones at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take your I'm going to take your next edit and add a little surprise twist to it. And I'm going to say to John this weekend, "Hey, family, let's go for a hike." Because <laughs> I am never the person that says that, but. That is probably going to be the hottest thing I'll say all week. <laughs> I was going to say that's John's love language. <laughs> totally. Okay. I'm excited <laughs> about that. All right. I better put it on my wonderless to-do list so I don't forget. Um, anyway. Okay. So my, your next edit is, I didn't, we didn't really talk about this on the episode, but it is definitely top of mind. And it is that, you know, it's really easy to be all like, yay, independence as your kid gets older. But I would recommend scheduling a little one-on-one time if you have a tween or teen. Um, you know, I've recently had a couple of episodes like that with Laurel. And, you know, it's just not something we do that often anymore. And it is a total love tank thing for her. So, and it's it's great for both of us. So, yeah, book some time with your tween or teen. It's It's good to do that. And really fun. And they're really so fun. interesting. They're so interesting. They are. So interesting as they get older. I love teenagers. Yeah. All right. So, folks, hopefully you've found this episode helpful and enlightening. Maybe it's given you some things to think about in your own life. And um, we've mentioned quite a few uh, related episodes. So I want to point you at the show notes for this episode because we'll link up those related episodes there. 
You can find show notes for every episode at edityourlifeshow.com. And you can always get in touch with us via email at edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. Or you can visit us on Facebook at Edit Your Life Show. And if you've enjoyed this episode or anything in our archives, we'd be so grateful if you would leave us an iTunes review. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.